Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church. We're into our final week of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. And I know we've only spent four weeks talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, our emotions, our feelings, grief, loss, and what God has planned for our spiritual life. And so if you are out there and you've been watching this series or you're going through it with us and you feel like it's dredged up a lot of complicated emotions and perceptions about your faith that you want to do more work on, I strongly encourage you to go to EmotionallyHealthySpirituality.com, check out all the other stuff Peter Scazzaro has made and see some of the activities and further reading to get yourself emotionally and spiritually healthy. Secondly, if this series is dredging up really tough stuff for you, I encourage you, go and seek professional Christian counseling. Go and talk to someone who is trained to guide you in the process of healing and organizing your emotional and spiritual life. Many of us have been through really tough stuff. We need people trained in tough stuff to walk us through it, to find healing and wholeness in our lives. If you haven't seen last week's message from Pastor Frank at Connect Church, I encourage you to go back and see how God can be enlarging our souls through grief and loss. Today, in our final of this series, we are going to be talking about stopping to breathe the air of eternity. Stopping to be present with God. Stopping to feel his creation around us. Stopping to be present with our creator to sense his Holy Spirit working through us, to be reminded of who Jesus is. As we start today's teaching, I want to give you an illustration. When I was in high school, I had a friend that lived in a house with a very steep driveway. So steep that actually it's like tough to drive up it, even tougher to walk up it. And we live in New Jersey. So for about three months of the year, the driveway was covered in ice and it was impossible to get up the driveway. Not possible at all to get up there on your own. You couldn't even really drive up there. You would have to park on the street and figure it out. They had a system to help with this. They tied a large rope to the front door that then hung down the front lawn and part of the driveway. So if you wanted to visit them in February, you had to find the rope somewhere in the snow, grab it, hold on to the rope for dear life, fall, slide on the driveway, but pull yourself up by the rope as you were walking to get to their house. There was one particular day that I was trying to get up to the porch and it was also snowing. So I couldn't see, it was like a whiteout. I couldn't get my footing. All I had was that rope and I knew that that rope I was holding was connected to where I needed to go. It was connected to safety, it was connected to warmth, it was connected to my goal. Today, I want to talk about the chaos of modern living or just living and talk about the rope that God has given us to ground us to his presence. We're going to call that rope today Sabbath and daily office or rhythms of slowing down for quietness and presence. We live in chaos. I don't really have to explain that to you if you live in the modern or postmodern world. And we understand, in theory, ideas about slowing down. Maybe you've read Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, or you've read To Hell with the Hustle, Christian authors now jumping onto the idea of slowing down and finding rhythm. But we read them theoretically. Honestly, I reread Ruthless Elimination last year at two and a half times speed. So I don't know what ironic thing that says about life. 
I want to maximize every minute of my day. If I'm exercising, I also want to be learning. If I'm working on a project, I wanna be talking to someone and, and having a relational conversation. I want to multitask all the time. My wife and I did a spin class a few years ago, wanted to try it out. And all throughout spin class, it was good, it was tiring, I was really sweaty at the end, and Kate said to me, what did you think? I said, it was great, but I was listening to this person the whole time, and I kept thinking, if I just had my headphones in, I could have been busting out a podcast at the same time. She's like, you missed the whole point of what we were doing. Many of us are trying to maximize our efficiency. There is so much to do to stay connected to that it seems almost sinful to not take advantage of the wide swath of information and accessibility that lays before us. But maybe we are so busy with the connections of the world that we can gain access to everything and at the same time lose our own souls. That's my paraphrasing of Matthew 16, 26. While we present our chaotic lifestyle as being efficient and taking advantage of everything the world has to offer, if we're honest, we're also trying to avoid the deep examination of looking at our soul because we might be afraid of what we'll find down there. Whether it's fear over what we can accomplish or who we are or guilt and shame from our past, this is a lot of what we've talked about in this series. That grabbing back onto this rope is acknowledging the tough work and also the beauty on the other side of making space for our soul and being present with our creator. There are many biblical examples of setting patterns to slow ourselves down. Whether it's Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. No special prayers to offer, no holiness to live up to, simply being still and acknowledging the presence of God. We see it in 1 Kings 19, verses 5 and 6, famous passage where God tells a prophet, take a nap, have a snack. 1 Kings 19, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And then lastly, we see this pattern in our Savior Jesus in the gospel account of his life in Mark, which is the rapid, efficient gospel story in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. We're looking at two ropes that we hold on to. We'll call them today Sabbath and the daily office. You're probably a little more familiar with Sabbath than the term the daily office. We'll explain that in a moment. Both of these are grounding spiritual disciplines and principles in our lives. There are lots of helpful tools to grow and to be healthy followers of Jesus. Bible study, prayer and quiet time, small group community, corporate worship, retreats, study, spiritual disciplines. But these are practices that come with a rhythm. These are practices that affect our time, our schedule, and our pacing. And what they say is, God cares about your schedule. Yes, even your Google Calendar. He cares about the schedule of your day. He cares about your time and what you do with it. He cares about how present you are in this flesh and with your soul. 
Frankly, they are also both because they involve time and productivity. They are spiritual disciplines of trust. It's being less productive and trusting that God is still in control, trusting that his spirit is going to work it all out. Sabbath, in particular, is a practice where we are, by all classical senses, unproductive. The daily office is a mini Sabbath that you practice in your day, five minutes, ten minutes. The ancient practice involves an hour, but we'll set our sights a little smaller. And trusting the world will still keep running. There is a slower, deeper presence that God has for us above and below the chaos of the schedule we live our lives in. Or again, as the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 10. Let's first talk about the daily office. Early in your Christian life, or maybe at this stage you're learning, you're growing, someone has talked to you about having a devotional life or a quiet time in your life. This is our modern version of a 1,500-year-old formalized practice called the daily office or the hours, started by St. Benedict around the 5th century, where we, in our day, set aside a block of time for God, a block of time to quiet down, to be still, and to be in his presence. We can learn best about how to practice this in our lives from those who are best at it, monks and nuns. They live their lives by this pattern, four-part pattern. Pray, work, study, rest. Pray, work, study, rest. Repeat, repeat, repeat. This is a pattern in their lives that has been happening for about 1,700 years, a pattern of centering, scheduling, and being present with God. They don't use cell phones, even in the modern day. They aren't on social media. They rarely drive on the highway. They are disconnected from the schedules we live our lives in. And instead, they have declared, I will live a schedule that forces me to be present in my flesh, present with my soul, present to the voice of God, and present to his creation and the work of my hands. The goal is to disconnect ourselves from distractions, to learn the divine rhythms, so that we can be practiced being in the presence of God, so that we can recognize the relationship he wants to have with us. Brother Lawrence, an ancient monk, says it like this, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. For my part, I keep myself retired with him in the depth of center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am so with him, I fear nothing. But the least turning from him is insupportable. Brother Lawrence. But if we're honest, we're not monks. Easy for you, Brother Lawrence. You just sleep and you eat and you pray and you make bread every day. It's easy for you to do that. How do I do it? with my busy schedule, my emails and my pings, the texts, the alerts, the people calling me, the job calendars and expectations and deadlines, driving in this busy chaotic highway. How do I live out that sort of a life without disconnecting entirely from my life? This is where 
we hold on to the ropes. And this is why St. Benedict, when he made these, was not just thinking about the Benedictine monk order of those disconnected, but thinking about the life each of us lives and how to live our life aware and present with God's voice. Taking time for the daily office, taking time for quiet and solitude, taking time to disconnect. David in the Psalms writes about regular times when he would pray and be present in silence. Daniel, famously, is thrown in prison for a regular pattern of three times a day kneeling and praying. These are both productive men with high-powered, high-pressured government jobs that practice the daily office, that practice regular patterns of devotional quiet time. Let's look at five practices of the daily office, five aspects of how it works. And they all will kind of be alliteration, but one of them slant alliteration, you'll get it. Five practices in the daily office, how to ground ourselves. First one is schedule. Put it in your calendar. Set an alarm on your phone. If you don't schedule it, it probably won't happen. Make it a part of your life. Schedule in, maybe at eight o'clock. That's maybe when you're traveling to, to school or to your job, or it's when you're getting ready in the morning. Set an alarm for there. Then set an alarm for three o'clock. In the middle of your day, an alarm goes off, you pause, you pray, you recognize, so schedule it. Make it a priority. Write it in, write it down. Two, stop. Stop what you're doing. Full stop. Take a break. Disconnect from what you are currently doing. Recognize that you can take a pause from things, you can step back from them, and the world will keep spinning. God will remain in control. So schedule it, stop, and then center. Remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself why you exist. Center yourself on the presence of God in your life. Center yourself on Jesus' presence, loving, caring, merciful presence in your life. Recenter yourself. For me, it often comes along with posture changes that I have to kind of sit up a little more straight and I remind myself God's speaking to me. I have to close my computer and center my mind back on God's presence in my life. Fourth, silence. Don't try to make a whole thing out of this where you put on Maverick City worship or a different background for you. Be in silence with it. Remind yourself that the chaos, the noise, is a distraction from God speaking into your life. Be silent and present. And then fifth, utilize scripture. I'm not guiding you to be a Buddhist transcendentalist monk. As you are pushing away distractions, use it to center yourself on God's word and prepare this ahead of time. You have a reading plan? Use those times of daily office to go through your reading plan. You have a verse you're trying to memorize or a passage that you've been meditating on. Have that ready and utilize that in this time. So schedule it so that it happens. Stop what you're doing. Center yourself on God's presence working in you. Do it in silence so there's no distractions. And then enter into scripture to replace the words of the world with what God is speaking over you. Daily office. You can Google it, read more about how to do it, a basic quiet time in your life, and a couple just easy tips for it. If you've never done it before, start with just five minutes. Schedule it, have five minutes. A great way to work it, honestly, 
is in the morning when you're getting up, in the mid-afternoon, and then in the early evening. Those three patterns. If you're anything like me, growing up, it was told you do it in the morning. Devotional quiet time only works in the morning for some reason, like the sunrise gives its, its power or something like that. Your Superman, the yellow sun, empowers your devotionals. Um, and I'm not a morning person. So I always associated quiet time with like a little bit of resentment. And it was like kind of this combo. I'm like, ugh, I'm up, I'm doing it. Um, Jesus prays in the morning. Jesus prays late in the evening. Jesus prays in the middle of the day. He falls asleep in a ship in the middle of a day. You can pray and make your quiet time throughout your day. When we make it just the morning, here's what happens. We meet with God at something like 7 a.m. By 7 p.m., it's now 12 hours away and we've lived 12 hours of our chaotic life and day and we get home with our family and the peace we felt in that moment is a distant whisper in the roar of our chaos. Set times to remind you who you are and the presence of God throughout your day. Schedule, stop, center, silence, scripture. Next, let's talk about Sabbath keeping. I told you that the daily office is like a mini Sabbath, but I didn't tell you really what a Sabbath was. Sabbath is, literally translated from the Hebrew, stop. It's literally pause. Don't do, don't work, don't be productive. Sabbath is a biblical principle and a creational principle that God has built into all of creation that there is a rhythm of working and resting. We are built for a rhythm of working and resting. We create and then we enjoy. We toil and then we celebrate. This is the pattern God has built in us. When you think of a Sabbath day, when you think of one day out of seven, Sabbath is one day out of seven. That's the pattern of it. Think of it as stop. I'm going to stop doing the things I normally do. I'm going to stop scheduling, stop emailing, stop vacuuming, stop making. I'm just going to stop and rest and be present. Genesis chapter 2 verses 2 and 3, give us the original creation of Sabbath. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. God rested. God declared he needed to rest. If God needed to rest, you need to rest. You are not God. Many of us think that we're as important as God, but you are not. Your job is not, your schedule is not, the cleanliness of your home is not on a divine scale or level. But your emotional and spiritual health is on a divine level because you're made in the image of God. And you are made with this pattern. You are made with this rhythm to work and rest. And if you just work, 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 you are living less and less of the full life God has planned for you. You are reflecting his joy and peace less and less. Keeping the Sabbath is built into our soul and flesh. It is built into creation. It is the rhythm of God's creation. It's in everything. It is a natural part of the order. And it's a natural part of why, when we don't rest, we become anxious, we become fearful, we become short-tempered, we become bitter, we lose peace because we are out of rhythm with how God has created us. It is also a command from God. It is a, one of his 10 core commands on the same level as murder. In fact, when God lists out his 10 core commands, the command around Sabbath is the longest one. 
Murder is one verse. Sabbath is four verses. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Sabbath was such a sacred part of the rhythm and schedule of the ancient Israelites. There's a passage where they stone someone to death for collecting wheat on the Sabbath day. And you will read that and you'll be like, that's pretty intense. This is because God is saying, I know how weak you are in this area. I know how quickly you are going to say, yeah, but I could be way more productive with the seventh day. He knows our weakness towards that. And so we read it quickly in scripture that God is serious about this command. Secondly, that's how valuable it is to who we are, to how we're made. God says that's how valuable it is, that it's a life and death situation for you to rest and find peace for your soul. Sabbath, in short, is a 24-hour period out of seven days, six days of work, one day of Sabbath, where we rest in God's presence, where we rest in our lives. And you may work six days and you have a day off. I'll challenge you. I know what happens if you work that schedule. That means on your day off, you're still working, but you're doing all your personal work, your errands, your groceries, your cleaning, all of those things happen now on your rest day. This is why my wife and I really try to protect a five-day work week, and then I have a day that's personal work. I do classwork or I do home chores, tasks, building, cleaning, and then I have a day where we have fun together, where we eat a lot of food, where we spend time with friends, where we rest and read and take walks, because we need one day to be fully present. The Sabbath is not a day to do errands, and it's not a day to crash and eat a whole pizza in bed and binge wash something like Squid Games. It's not a day for that. It is a day to be present. And if you want to ask yourself, well, what do I do on the Sabbath? What makes you feel wholly present? Is it time spent with people you love? Is it time reading a good book that feeds your soul? Is it time outside in nature? Is it cooking good food with your hands? What is the process that makes you feel present and reminds you of God's presence, his goodness in relationship, and his beauty in creation? And then do that and protect that in your schedule. Sabbath is, again, a trust exercise that if for a full day I don't respond to any emails, the world is not going to fall apart. If for a full day I am not working my job, God is going to move and be present. If a full day I can sit in my home and not feel the anxious need to clean it, I can trust that God is present and working. I gave you five principles for the daily office. Here are five principles for the Sabbath, five ways to practice it. First, again, schedule it. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It's not Sunday for me because I work on Sundays. But the pattern is six days of work and one day of rest. It could be a Monday, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday, whatever it is in your life, schedule it and protect it. You can also move it. You don't commit to one day for your whole life. 
but schedule a pattern, six days of work, one day of rest. Two, stop. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Birds of the air don't worry about tomorrow. Flowers don't worry about tomorrow, and I provide and care about them. Stop and don't let yourself be anxious on that day as to what's coming tomorrow. Three, rest. Slow down. Sleep in. Take a nap in the middle of the day. Rest. Don't press yourself or feel like it's Sabbath, so I gotta read four spiritual books. Rest in this day. Fourth, delight. Do things that give you joy. Do things that remind you of God's goodness in creation. And then fifth, contemplate. This is maybe the main reason we don't like a Sabbath. This is the reason we don't like any of this teaching I've been doing today is it gives us space to contemplate. Who is God? Who am I by reflection? And what is he doing in my life? Use it as a time to reflect on who you are. The first few times you do this, if you've been living a chaotic schedule, it won't feel great. God's going to bring up to your mind regrets or sins that you've been hiding or avoiding, conversations you've been avoiding, uh, forgiveness you haven't given. But as you make this space and as you reflect and confront these, you will find greater and greater peace. And then when you come and you contemplate God's goodness in your life, you will find peace as he speaks into your soul. Schedule, stop, rest, delight, and contemplate on the goodness of God and how he's working in your life. These are two tools to pull us through the chaos of our emotions, the chaos of the frenetic way that we live our life in the modern world. But you're going to be asking me now, or you might be reflecting at home right now, well, how do I have a balance then of productivity and presence? Being present with God and being productive. I don't just want to become lazy. Things are still important. How do we do that? I want us to reflect on just one biblical story from the New Testament. In Luke chapter 10, we'll finish looking at this story. But I want to give you some encouragements as we close out our time today. First one is, it is unlikely any of us will become a monk or a nun. Not impossible. You might be praying and thinking about that right now. If you are, go for it. Good for you, man. That's awesome. But most of us are not going to do that. How do we live this out in the regular pattern of our lives? We are much more likely to dis than disconnecting to wear ourselves into the ground. Honestly, millennials and Gen Z, the younger generation, do this better in their work-life balance than the generations before. But there's a weakness that comes along with it. And millennials and Gen Z, if I can paint with a wide brush, are terrible at overscheduling our entertainment. We may not work ourselves to death, but we probably entertain ourselves to death. And we have a busy schedule of concerts and binge watching and podcasts that we need to go through and work through. And I'm going to call it like I see it right now that is not any more restful than the generation before that worked themselves into the ground. Don't entertain yourself into the ground. Be present and make times for quiet, for reading, for being present with people and slowing down. This is why God creates rhythms and patterns in us and for us. We can practice the monastic life ourselves. Pray, work, study, rest. Pray, work, study, rest. That's an easy pattern 
to begin to implement in our own lives. Times of prayer, times of work with our hands and our minds, study, be reading and learning, and then resting, being quiet and present with family, with friends, getting enough sleep, resting and being present. There are practices that distinguish a follower of Jesus from everyone else in the world. This is one of them. It's regular patterns of slowing down and stopping. It's literally nonsense. I am sitting in one place in my daily office and doing nothing. It doesn't make any sense. Unless you believe that there is a creator working and moving beyond and in all of this, unless you believe in Jesus Christ who came and lived the perfect life and modeled these rhythms of rest and love and grace and forgiveness and that he died for our sins to set us free, rose from the grave and is alive today and active in my life by his spirit. If I believe that, then sitting in silence is a divine connection to his will and presence in my life. The rest of the world doesn't have that. They can't understand the productivity of being present and quiet. Let's look at this story. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. You may be familiar with this passage. It's known as the Mary Martha story. Two sisters, very different approach to how they serve Jesus. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. There are two lifestyles present in this story. And I don't think that this is a story demonizing Martha for wanting to be a good host or wanting to prepare a good dinner or care for people that she cared about, to feed them and be present with them. It is a story about prioritizing the presence of God. And we see in this story that there is a balance and the presence of God is more important than our productivity with God, but they are both a part of us. The best pattern to work is the pattern God laid out for us in Genesis chapter 2, the pattern he encouraged us about in Exodus 20, pattern we see in David's life in Psalm 119, the pattern we see in Daniel's life in Daniel 7, the pattern we see throughout Jesus' work and ministry to be productive in a pattern of our lives, but to set schedules to remind ourselves quietly of the presence of God. Because I don't want to encourage a false dichotomy that work is unspiritual and quiet is where we connect with our souls. God is present in all of it and God made all of it. God created for six days. That is a spiritual act of working and making and caring. Genesis 1, and 28, God gives us a divine command to create with our hands and to make. But God says, don't let what you make with your hands distract you from who you are in your heart and your soul. And as you practice that presence, use it to give significance into now what you make with your head and your hands. Work a balanced life, holding to that rope 
of spiritual connection of stopping and slowing down. The last encouragement I'll give you today is actually from a recent experience I had studying leadership in a class. They talked about the pandemic, and we've talked about that a lot in this series. And they said in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of pastors got to work. It happened, they couldn't have church in person anymore, so they worked really hard, live streaming and midweek live interactions and postings and connections and phone calls and doing all of these things. And as he described it, textbook, that's what I did. Worked hard, fast, connections, meetings, base camps, all these kind of things. And he said, in one way, you were trying to care for your people and that's honorable. He said, in another way, we were deeply anxious and the way we as humans cope with anxiety is through productivity and activity. And so part of us was processing our fear over, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how to do my job when all the patterns of how I've done it is gone. I don't know if the people I pastor may die or get sick or fracture away. And so he said, you coped by just getting busy. This is probably a pattern for you as well. When we feel anxiety and fear in our hearts and our souls, we push it down by being productive and getting busy. The encouragement that Jesus Christ gives us is to slow down, be present, and invite him to deal with our anxieties and fears. Do the hard work, be brave, grab onto those ropes and schedule times where you are going to wrestle with the emotion and spiritual health God has planned for you pull out those fears and anxieties and invite him and his spirit to speak back into you. Martha can sit at the feet of Jesus because she knows in those moments she's confronting pain, but she's looking at the great healer and lover of her soul. As we practice the daily office and as we practice Sabbath, we are meeting with God in Jesus Christ. And the character of him is so very good and so very loving invite him into your process. If you'll pray with me today. Some of you may be watching this and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know God personally. I want to give you a chance today to pray one simple prayer that begins that journey, a declaration that you want to know Jesus, a declaration you want to begin to know God in a more intimate way. You want to slow down and meet with him and be present. I want to give you a chance to pray that right now. Jesus, I want to know you more intimately. I want to know you more closely. I want to stop and pause in my life and be present with you. I believe, Jesus, that you are God in flesh, fully man, fully God, lived on this earth. For 33 years, you taught us how to live. You lived a perfect life, and then you took my sin and shame and death onto yourself on the cross you died in my place, were buried in the ground, and on the third day, you rose from the ground, conquered death, and left sin there eternally. And that now resurrected, you reign and rule over heaven and earth. You gave your life to me. Today, I commit my life to follow you and to know you as Savior, Lord, and friend. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If that was your first time praying that today, click one of the links around this video. We would love to just connect with you, resource you, and pray for you as you go on this journey of emotionally, spiritually healthy faith following Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us.